Hey gang, Tom Mullen here. Do you have a child who spends more time than you'd like in front of screens consuming low quality content? Well, you can turn that screen time into something fun and worthwhile. I'm talking about mini coders, an educational game based platform including companion apps made for kids with video tutorials, virtual assistant, and games where kids learn coding skills while they play in the Roblox metaverse, all under the safety and guidance of a virtual assistant and in-game tutors. MiniCoders is perfect for homeschooled, unschooled, or traditionally schooled children alike and helps them build 21st century skills and have a ball doing so. Right now, you can try out MiniCoders with no obligation by registering for a free trial at TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash MiniCoders. That's M-I-N-I-C-O-D-E-R-S. Again, just visit TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash MiniCoders and start your free trial today. Every revolution starts in the minds of the people. Arm yourself for the war of ideas. Take back your life. Take back your liberty. Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Today, I'm welcoming back Daniel McAdams. He's the executive director of the Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity and also the co-host of the Ron Paul Liberty Report. He previously served in Ron Paul's congressional office in Washington as a foreign affairs and defense advisor. And I'm always interested in his perspective on what's going on in the world. So, Daniel, welcome back. Hey, thanks a lot for having me back, Tom. I appreciate it. I think for any rational person, the primary concern has got to be, and outweighing all others, will the United States government get us into a war with nuclear-armed Russia? And based on what's happened over the past few weeks, if you had to do a scale of 1 to 10, 1's not very likely. 10 is almost definitely, (laughs) where are we right now with getting sucked into a war? I think probably about three, but I would put a qualifier on because a lot of things happen by accident and by mistake. And we're dealing with the president. I don't know what the problem is with him. Maybe he's just a little old. I don't know. But we saw what happened last weekend when he gave this big talk in Poland. And at the very end, he said, my God, this man cannot remain in power, referring to Putin articulating a regime change policy on the part of the U.S. toward Russia. And of course, his flax like Tony Blinken immediately rushed in to say, well, the president doesn't speak for American foreign policy, right? I mean, <laughs> it's, it's just absurd. So I would say accidents, mistakes, miscommunications, they all have consequences. And it's been reported that Blinken and the foreign minister of Russia, Lavrov, have not spoken since this operation started. So lack of communication and the possibility of miscommunication, whether accidentally or on purpose, I think that raises it to a good three. You could maybe go up a notch or two from that. Three is way too much when you're talking about a nuclear war. I remember your last appearance here. It was before the war started, and you and I were both pretty convinced that there wasn't going to be an invasion of Ukraine. But the very last thing you said was something to the same effect, like you can never be sure and mistakes happen. The other thing about what you just said that's interesting is it seems like 
there's several factions within the U.S. government. You have the State Department, who gets us into most of these problems. And usually the Pentagon is right on board. But there was a period there where it felt like the State Department was pushing for intervention. And the Pentagon was kind of the voice of reason saying, no, we're not going to allow Poland to send MiG fighter jets to Ukraine. And at one point, Joe Biden was also more with the Pentagon. We can't get involved in this. But this comment that you say he made was an ad lib. Now Blinken's walking Biden back to be less interventionists. What's going on over there? I think there's some speculation as to whether it's genuinely ad lib. If you watch the way he delivered it, it did look like he was reading from his prompter. It's very, very possible that someone from the White House put that in there, either not understanding the implications or even more frighteningly understanding the implications and saying, hey, the old man's going to say whatever we put in his mouth anyway. So F the Russians, right? Let's put them in their place. That's also a possibility. It's hard to know. But I think you're right. You know, the Pentagon, the Pentagon knows what's doable and not doable in a very specific objective way, right? This is not a policy issue. This is a can we do it issue. And so when Blinken was mouthing off about how let's get the polls to send some MiGs over to Ukraine, the Pentagon realized the real problem with delivery, the real problem with escalation in a way that the State Department didn't understand. And you're right, historically, state has been more aggressive. Look at how it was under Hillary Clinton. The whole bogus PSYOP called Arab Spring was launched by her in her State Department. So there's a pattern of our, our <laughs> diplomatic section of our government actually being the opposite of diplomacy and more in the promotion of war. Let's just be frank here and not even go along with the pretense that the U.S. government had nothing to do with starting this war. So I think most of my listeners are pretty familiar with who Victoria Newland is by now. And you and I have talked about her, and she's been involved all the way back to the Iraq war. She played a part in getting that wonderful enterprise going. If she got her way, and let's just say before or after the invasion, I think the invasion makes this less likely, but if she got Ukraine into NATO and it became basically a place where NATO could station troops and weapons. What next? What's the end game here in their minds if they got what they want? Well, here's the big problem. Victoria Newland is Ukrainian, right? This is an old score that she wants to settle, right? And this is a real problem with people bringing their ethnic backgrounds, their national backgrounds into government positions and using the weight of the U.S. government to settle the old scores that they have. And you see it over and over with several different groups that try to do this. And this is, this is her. You talk about a lot of people that are pushing this. They do have roots in that area. And so it's a real problem. Our, our government is not there for the use and misuse of people for their special interests, or it shouldn't be, but it is. And so that's what Newland's all about. Newland has owned Ukraine from when we started this in 2014. And now my guess is she's probably involved early on. She used to work for Dick Cheney. This is not a Democrat dove. This is a Republican neocon hawk. She's married into the Kagan crime family, a bunch of neocons who promoted every war and have been wrong about every single war. I, I mentioned before that I remember watching Fred Kagan, that's her brother-in-law, I guess, amble down to the committee, the Foreign Affairs Committee in the House, and give his assessment of how Iraq was going. It's going great. We just need another surge, just another surge, and we're almost there. These people are criminals, and they're the ones that are in control of government. So 
you're right. Newland. Yeah, this is her deal. This is her deal. Her and the people around her. And you can tell from the phone call in 2014 just how aggressive this woman is. She's aggressive. She talks. We're going to get yachts in here. We're going to know. We don't want this guy. We want that guy. And that's the problem. And yeah, it sucks what's happening to Ukraine. I mean, I for me, I mean, I'm a clean freak anyway. And seeing all these buildings blown up is just horrible, not to mention the human suffering, which is incomprehensible. But we own this. The U.S. owns this, and they should own up to what they did and what they caused, what they reaped. They sowed the wind in 2014, and by God, they're reaping the whirlwind right now. It's funny. There's never been a war in my lifetime I wasn't against. But I have to admit that when Trump got in there, and to the extent that he really followed through on this and said, well, we're going to go and get rid of ISIS, our government created ISIS, whether (laughs) intentionally or not, I wasn't so upset. I think we do have to get rid of them and not let them go berserk all over the Middle East after we facilitated them coming into existence. And it's almost funny. We should be over there fighting on Putin's side almost because we've (laughs) really started this war with Ukraine. Of course, the Ukrainian citizens bear no responsibility for this. They've been used as pawns. But even given everything you said, so Newland is Ukrainian. Maybe she's got family, ancestors, grandparents who suffered from the Russians during the Soviet Union years. Who knows? But I can't think she wants a nuclear war. So what happens if she finally gets everything she wants in the end? Do we just have Russia pinned down there because we're on their border? Or does she just not have an endgame? Well, don't forget, these people are unbelievably full of hubris. They are convinced that they know more than anyone They are the smart people in the room. The Washington foreign policy establishment is the most self-deluded group of people on the face of the earth, I think. These are the people who can't design a a policy that benefits the U.S., who can't win wars, who basically can't do anything. Everything they say is wrong and is a lie, but somehow they retain their control of power. So the arrogance, the hubris is through the roof with these people. So they truly believe that they can move mountains with the power of the as Jimi Hendrix said, with the chop of the hand, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's scary because I've had some guests on who have some pretty sophisticated takes on the strategy, the chess game and all of that. But I think you could also explain this away. It's like, okay, Newland's been in there since the 1990s or early 2000s, whenever. There's no consequences for being wrong, as you said. There's no market mechanism where you go out of business if you're wrong over and over again. And uh, you could just keep doing what you're doing. And are some of these people still thinking like people used to think during the Soviet area, just Russia bad, put the pressure on him? Yeah, I think so. And you're right. In Washington, in foreign policy, especially, you fail upstairs, right? So she was assistant (laughs) secretary of state for, I think, under Obama. And now she's a deputy secretary of state for political affairs. That is a senior, senior post for a woman who almost got us into war last time and overthrew an elected government and got a thousand people killed in Ukraine. That's a pretty good promotion for being that crappy at your job, right? Let's take a short break for this important message. Friends, if you like to read books as much as I do, there comes a time when you realize you just won't ever find the time to read every book you're interested in. Well, I have great news. Blinkist offers the key ideas from nonfiction bestsellers in as little as 15 minutes. For most books and their extensive library, you can choose to read or listen to Blinks, which summarize the main ideas 
and allow you to absorb whole books in the time it takes to run your daily errands or commute to work. Not only does Blinkist allow you to glean the information you need from books you don't have time to read, it helps you to decide which ones to spend time reading and get more details. You can try out Blinkist for free and get 20% off your first year by going to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. That's TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash Blinkist. Start your free trial and get 20% off today. And now let's get back to the show. Work on the answer, then you quietly save the day. You were right, Mr. Spock, about everything you said. We humans just are logical, too crazy. And speaking of being crappy at your job, let's talk about the media for a minute. Because on one hand, the media has always had full-throated support for the empire and whatever endeavor it's been in Iraq, putting pressure on Iran and Libya, etc., but I've never seen where they just don't report on anything else, even things that were vitally important to them two weeks ago or four weeks ago now, nothing about COVID, nothing about climate change, just Ukraine. And in fact, when you go to the websites, and I looked this up before we got on, there's a lot of articles you can read about how you lose about 80% of your audience if they have to scroll down. Well, you have to scroll down to get any news about anything other than Ukraine have you ever seen anything like this? And what is it about? Yeah, the media loves war, don't they? There's a great piece on Zero Hedge. It's via Simon Black at SovereignMan.com. I read it this morning. The media is the number one cause of war since 1898. It's a good piece. And, and I knew a lot of the stuff, and I'm sure your, your listeners do as well. But it goes back to the Spanish-American War and how the whole thing was basically cooked up under Randolph Hearst who bought some little paper in New York and started writing totally bogus lies about what was happening with Cuba's struggle for independence from Spain. And remember the Maine, that's what got us in. So the media has been at this for a long time. This is a good article to read about it. But, you know, I was at the gym today and I, yeah, I'm probably going to have a heart attack. I shouldn't look up at the TV, but I, I don't know why. It's also masochistic, but uh, there are different TVs in front of each one of the treadmills. And I get on the one... I used to get on the one underneath MSNBC, but then I think I was maybe cursing out loud because I have headphones on. And I, so I, I went to the Fox one thinking it would be better, and it's not better. <laughs> they had, I went yesterday, and they had expert analysis from General Keene, and the guy had a Ukrainian flag in his lapel. Like, okay, I'm going <laughs> to trust you. This is not what media does. Media reports facts. You don't come up and cheerlead. And today, they, we're going for some analysis of what's happening in the Ukrainian-Russian war, we're going to turn to the Pentagon spokesman, Admiral Kirby, the guy who was so hapless, he was in the job last time. So here you have, rather than an objective analyst, you have the guy who actually speaks for the Pentagon going on and saying all sorts of ridiculous, bogus things. Well, we have intelligence reports that Putin's own people around him are afraid to tell him what a massive failure this operation is. What do you say to that, Kirby? Oh, yeah, we've seen the intel. It's spot 100%. Rock solid. Okay. Where does it come from? Who told you? In whose interest is it? On and on and on. So, if you get me started on the media, they are so abysmally bad from top to bottom, left to right. 
And I sometimes have to make sure that I'm clear myself. I, I certainly don't condone an invasion of anybody by anybody. And by our own standards, of course, well, I'll just speak for myself. I consider my town planning board an act of aggression, right? I'm a libertarian. <laughs> but by the standards the U.S. government itself judges itself by, invaded Iraq for weapons of mass destruction, supposedly, bombed Kosovo to defend a breakaway republic. Hmm, that sounds familiar. It would be hard to make a case that Putin's invasion was less defensive than, let's say, the U.S. invasion of Iraq or interventions in Syria or Kosovo, as I mentioned. Yeah, it, it, we find ourselves in a very uncomfortable position because certainly there are many libertarians who would love to point at us and say, aha, you are pro-war. No, it's not the case. But what happened at the end of February was not the beginning of a new war. It was the last chapter, hopefully, of a war the U.S. started in 2014, when it overthrew the government of Ukraine, the elected government, when it flooded the country with weapons, knowing full well that Kiev was going to use those weapons to kill their own people in eastern Ukraine, in Donbass. Remember that line from when we wanted to kill Gaddafi? He's killing his own people. Well, for eight years... Kiev was killing Donbass, and now we know, and this is a little bit of indication for us who didn't think that Russia would go in, now we know they're building all kinds of bio labs in there. They had a de facto NATO base in Western Ukraine. They were basically turning it into a de facto NATO member. And so these are all acts of war. Russian citizens have been killed for eight years by this government in Kiev, and it's Washington's fault because Washington emboldened them. And I'm sure you saw this clip from 2017 when little Lindsey Graham and John McCain and a few others were over there. And Lindsey Graham said, 2017 is going to be the year. He was talking to the military, the Ukrainian military. 2017 is going to be the year when you guys go on the offense. We're going to make Russia pay. So here's a little country thinking that U.S. has got its back. Obviously, moral hazard times a million, times a million. So, yes, we're not sharing what happened in February. We're simply understanding that this is the last chapter of the war, stupidly, with zero regard to U.S. national interests, that Victoria Newland and her gang of thugs started in 2014. And the last thing on that, because there's another question I want to get to with you is, yeah, judging Putin by the standards of the head of a modern nation state. I think, again, not going to approve of the invasion, but I will say at what point by those standards would he have been justified when Ukraine joined NATO, when the weapons were stationed in NATO? I mean, at what point would the U.S. government, by its own standards, justify some kind of an invasion? Well, that question is, we need a lot less reason to go berserk in some foreign country that's not even on our border. So it's just very hypocritical. I mean, you'd think the last government in the world that would have something to say about this would be the U.S. government. Very last government. In fact, Kervark Masian, he's a Syrian journalist and, and a really interesting guy, very deep thinker. I was just reading a tweet from his today. He says, why does the U.S. have military forces in Syria? Who invited them? Is the U.S. in a state of war with Syria? If the U.S. as a global superpower doesn't respect international law, how do you expect others to comply with it? <laughs> That's a pretty good point. Yeah, hard <laughs> questions to answer if anybody ever heard them. So the other thing I wanted to ask you about, I know the Ron Paul Institute concentrates on foreign policy, but Ron Paul himself has had some passing interest in monetary issues over his career. 
What is the Institute's take on Putin's move to link the ruble to gold? Well, I've heard conflicting reports about that. And in fact, Dr. Paul gave a great analysis in today's Liberty Report that he obviously says it far better than I could say it. But he talks about a gold standard without limiting the ability to print money doesn't really have a, a net positive effect or the, or the ability to limit spending. So just saying, and again, his, his description is much better than I could say, but just saying that gold is $2,000 an ounce and we're going to fix it at that doesn't change anything if you keep printing dollars like we're doing and spending money like we're doing. So, but I've heard different reports about what Russia is doing. It would be kind of a kick to see that them actually adopt some sort of a commodity standard for their currency because talk about everyone would be flocking to that currency and the dollar would be like sort of like your 40 year old aunt at a prom or something. <laughs> and nobody wants to look. Who knows? Russia's lying, Ukraine's lying, certainly our government's lying, our media's lying, everybody's lying. So you don't never know which is the real truth. What I understand from the best that I can make out is that they're allowing their central bank to buy gold at $5,000 an ounce. And it's going to be somehow linked domestically, but not internationally. So they let the ruble float. And again, maybe you guys can cover it more detail on the Liberty Report, the best you can make it out, but that this is going to be a way to put something under the ruble internationally. And I heard that just today, Putin announced that he will allow Germany to buy natural gas in euros or dollars, but they have to do it through a specific bank, which is going to convert them to rubles. So who knows? We'll really have to watch that, though, because that could be a sea change in the monetary system. It could definitely be. And obviously, with the monetary system goes everything else. So we see Austria today said, we, we are not going to pay in rubles for natural gas. And then the energy minister of Austria said, we cannot survive without Russian gas. So there's going to be a rock in a hard place for these countries. Interestingly enough, Turkey which I often feel is can be rather duplicitous on the world stage, let's put it that way. But they have not been punished because they didn't adopt any of the sanctions. And so Putin said today to the Turks, hey, you can continue to buy our stuff in Lira, no problem. So who is actually being punished here? We're paying five bucks a gallon for gas, inflation's through the roof. Biden wants to blame Putin, but how much of it is our own ridiculous shooting ourselves in the head policies? Yeah, I saw a map earlier that I'll link to on the show notes page that showed exactly what countries were participating in this so-called worldwide isolation of Russia. And it's very few. I think it adds up to about a billion people. Now, there's 7 billion people in the world. And obviously, a big economy like the US has an outsized influence. But basically, this is US, some of Europe, Canada, and Australia. And I don't know if the Biden administration has been able to reach Saudi Arabia on the phone yet, but uh, yeah, that's that funny. was their approach. We're just not going to answer the phone. <laughs> Dude, he's calling us again. What do we do? <laughs> Last thing, real fast, a peeve of mine has been, look, I know that because of this, they're going to somehow say that we're going to have to spend more money on the military. My take on this is that if we're not going to get into a war with Russia because we don't want a nuclear exchange, then that tells me we're never going to get into a war with China. So is there any justification for this 228,000 soldiers we have outside our borders? What is the official line on that? And why do we have to send even more if they're never going to be used? 
No, it's a great point, and you make it in a piece that you thankfully have offered us to reproduce, which we'll reprint tomorrow. Um, very good point. It's funny, it's a Hegelian dialectic, right? No matter what, <laughs> the synthesis is always spend more money on the military. Oh, we got out of Afghanistan, we ended a war, spend more on the military. Oh, Russia's a new threat, spend more on the military. It's just a given no matter what happens. You know, America still won't stand up and say, like, this is money coming out of our pockets. And you make a great point in your piece about this. Why are we supporting these people who not only won't be used, but can't be used and are not usable anyway? We have 100,000 people now up on the borders with Russia. What are they going to do? Are they going to all start running over the border, yelling really loud and waving their guns? This is so, <laughs> it's such a, an antique way of looking at the world. It's such a anachronism. But you and I both know money makes the world go round when you're the military industrial complex. And if anyone has any doubts about that, go look at some real estate in the D.C. area and see what's happened to that over the last 10 years. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to wonder, does it all just come down to that? It's just a big ripoff and a very dangerous one. Yeah, exactly. Classic. That's the bumper sticker. It's a big ripoff. So Daniel, I always want to link to the Ron Paul Liberty Report and of course to the Institute on the show notes page. And I'm surprised to see you're still on YouTube for all the truth you guys tell. Don't over jinx there. us. Don't jinx <laughs> us. What, what, where else can people find it? What's the best place to link for people to watch or to listen? Well, we are still on YouTube now, but we're definitely on Rumble and Odyssey. And we like both of those much better because they are free speech oriented sites. We also are on Spotify and wherever you listen to the audio podcast, you can always listen to the show if you watch Dr. Paul and I's mugs every morning. So we're out and about in all the social media while we're allowed to, to exist. So, And we appreciate anyone who wants to tune in. We're at noon Eastern time, Monday through Friday, the Ron Paul Liberty Report. And you can watch them live and there's a live chat. And of course, then after that, you can catch them whenever it's convenient. So I'll link to the Liberty Report on Odyssey and Rumble and to the Institute. And Daniel, if we're still all here in a few weeks, maybe you could come back and give us an update on what's going on. That would be great, Tom. Thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate it. Okay, friends, that's going to do it for today. If you haven't already, don't forget to download a free copy of my new ebook, It's the Fed, Stupid at itsthefedstupid.com. And if you like the music you've heard on Tom Mullen Talks Freedom, you can hear more at tommullensings.com. Thanks for listening. The war of ideas has only just begun. Arm yourself with the knowledge you need by heading to tommullentalksfreedom.com and subscribing to our email list. And remember, every revolution starts in the minds of the people.